so much of my spiritual journey has been an unlearning. It's been realizing that I've already known everything I needed to know from the beginning and that all of these courses and programs and mentors that I've worked with have just been bringing me back to myself and just holding that space for me to come back to myself. It's not like there was really much to learn. It's really more to unlearn what society has told me I'm supposed to be focused on. To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. This is Spiritually Ever After, the place where Disney meets wellness and spirituality. I'm your host, Kitty Packman, spiritual mentor, licensed therapist, and major Disney person. This is the place where the magic of spirituality, self-awareness, and personal development meets the magic of Disney. You are safe to be your full magical self here. Now let's dive in. All right. So welcome back. This is Spiritually Ever After, and I'm your host, Kitty Packman. I am over the moon excited about this episode because I have a very, very special guest on with me today. I have Shelly Strong on. So I was just saying to Shelly as we were catching up before this that I couldn't even remember exactly how we had connected initially. I knew it was on Instagram and we've just sort of stayed in each other's worlds the last few years. And, you know, it's one of those reminders for me of how you know, we really find the people that we need right when we need them. And sometimes we don't even know what, how someone's going to kind of show up in our life, but they do. And it's cool to see how like the processes kind of mirror each other in the people that are in our lives. And yeah, so I'm just so, so excited to have you on here, Shelly. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. So Shelly is a fellow major Disney person and kind of describes herself as spiritually curious and diving into the world of healing and wellness and all of it. And I'm just really excited to to just go deep with you today on all things Disney and healing and specifically talking a little bit about Disneyland Paris because you were just there and I am incredibly jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it was an amazing experience. I'm already trying to figure out ways of how we can get back. <laughs> I loved Paris so yes. much. Well, I know that when we talked about this, we talked about how obviously we want to go into Disneyland Paris, but specifically how Disney can be really healing. And I know that at least has been my experience. Has that been your experience as well? Oh, definitely. Um, I have very young memories of Disney. I think I was three or four the first time that I went. And I specifically remember the Lion King parade. That's why I wanted to go. And I begged my mom to take me for the Lion King parade. And Disney's just been a huge part of my life milestone wise. Um, it's where my husband and I had our first date. Fun fact. Oh, <laughs> in Disneyland or? Yeah, we used to live in California. We live in Arizona now. Um, but we were just two broke kids in our early 20s. who had <laughs> And so when we met, we were like, I was like, hey, do you have a Disney pass? And he's like, yeah, we should go. <laughs> so we went. Amazing. Um, and that's just kind of like, where we fell in love. Um, and then he ended up proposing at Disneyland in front of the castle. Um, it's where we went after I finished chemo treatment. So we can dig into a little bit of my cancer background later. Um, but that was like what I counted down to. It's what I watched while I was in treatment. And it just gave me that comforting, you know, childhood sense um, because I spent a lot of time at home. So I watched all kinds of Disney movies. I watched the parades on YouTube. <laughs> so just make myself feel like I was in a magical place, even though all the sadness was happening around me. Um, and then, yeah, we recently got to go to Disney Paris uh, back in end of October to celebrate our sixth wedding anniversary. That's amazing. I love that. And I love the way that Disney has kind of weaved through all different, you know, aspects of your journey. And like you said, through through chemo, through your love life, through just everything. Disney has been there, been like the backbone. Oh yeah. So many milestones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know that you mentioned your chemo journey. So do you want to go a little bit into that? And then we can talk about, I know you had mentioned Reiki and again, being, I love the term that you were kind of like, Oh, well, I'm, you know, kind of curious, curious about all the healing and that you've certainly received your own Reiki. Are you Reiki attuned? Uh, I think so. Um, it really started, 
I think I've always kind of had a fascination with the spiritual world, even as a young kid, and even like the supernatural. Um, that started through my dad, who was like a big believer in that. Um, he and and just like UFOs in general, <laughs> so he was all about anything out of the ordinary or extraordinary. Um, and so I grew up with that and having a love for that. And then it really came into my life in 2019 when I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer at the age of 29, which is extremely rare. Um, it, the statistic is one in eight women will get breast cancer in their lifetime, which is just way too many. Um, and I didn't think it was going to happen to me. I thought of myself as very healthy and looking back, I realized I was aesthetically healthy, but I wasn't like spiritually healthy. I wasn't mentally healthy. I just looked mm. like outside, um, as I do like my own deep work and reflect because did I go to the gym? Yes. But was it too much? Probably <laughs> <laughs> because at the time I really cared about how I looked. Yes. Because at the time I was very much into bodybuilding competition. I used to do that before I got diagnosed. So I was very burnt out in my life. Right before I got diagnosed, I was working a ton. I did not have balance. Um, so everything was just all appearance. But inside, I don't think I was emotionally, mentally, spiritually healthy. Um, so that happened in August 2019. I was diagnosed and had to endure 16 rounds of chemo, 20 rounds of radiation, and three surgeries. Wow came out the other side. Um, I'm, you know, for right now, cancer-free. <laughs> I do get seen pretty often two to three times a year to just make sure I'm in remission or they call it no evidence of disease. But when I was going through that treatment, I really did need that spiritual help to get me through really hard times, mentally, emotionally, uh, spiritually, because it, it's a hard thing to go through. And I was just so exhausted. Um, and I think that's where you and I met on Instagram. We just kind of started following each other. So this is a three-year friendship in the making. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here with you today talking about all this. And it's led to kind of like you said, people in my life of when I needed them. Um, that's how I first learned about Reiki. And I came into contact with my first Reiki master, my friend Norma, who's also a breast cancer survivor. And she gave me a lot of sessions and really helped me build back up my strength and my confidence in myself. And that's where I'm still trying to work on my balance today. Mm. Wow. I think so much of what you just said and how you describe your journey is so relevant for so many people, regardless of whether they've been personally affected by cancer or even by physical illness. I think just with everything going on in the world right now between the pandemic and just, you know, more recently, I, I don't know if you were a fan of Twitch, but hearing about Twitch's suicide and just having all of this kind of like darkness, it feels like in the world. I think, you know, the way that you described needing that spiritual practice to be able to lean on and to build yourself back up, I think at the end of the day, it's really hard to be a human and, you know, regardless of whatever is going on, there's, there's always something going on in our lives. And to me, that's having that consistent spiritual connection has really made the, the difference in being able to get through everything, especially these past few years, because it's sort of like, to me, otherwise it's like, it, there feels like there's this, this gap or this whole, like life isn't as meaningful as it really can be. And, and in those dark moments, it can almost feel meaningless. Whereas when you have that spiritual connection, even when it's a dark day, because there will still be dark days, at least for me, it's like, then there's something that I can come back to and something that can connect me and ground me, even if it's grounding me in that pain and reminding me of like, I will get through this. And whether I see it now or not, like there's a reason that all of this is happening. And there's, there's something to kind of look forward to on the other side. Definitely. I love how you said looking for something on the other side. Um, it gave me a lot of hope. And I've been doing a lot of reading on books. There's a great book I just finished reading called The Anatomy of Hope. Mm. About all these patients who go through these really, you know, difficult medical journeys and come out of the other side, surely like just because they had hope. They had that strength to keep going. They had their people. They had something to believe in. 
Um, and that hope is, is so important. I don't think I could have made it out of the other side because there was an added layer to my treatment. I was also going through this during COVID. Yes. So not only was I going through That's cancer, crazy. I was also dealing with the world around me shutting down. Um, I finished chemo February, 2020. And then in March, 2020 is when everything closed. And I remember telling my husband, I said, man, this is just so unfair just because, because I was ready to join the world. The world joined me in isolation. And I was already in isolation for six months prior going to treatment, being immunocompromised. Um, and then it dragged out for like another year and a half. So I was probably in like isolation for a very long time. Well, I think that the way that you describe that hope for me is, is a lot of what that Disney magic is. It's like that that spark, that reminder that we are all connected and that even in those dark moments that there is, there is something to look forward to. Um, but yeah, the thought of having to be in isolation for that much longer, especially I'm sure if your doctors were worried about your immune system with COVID, I'm sure you were not really like really in isolation. And I'm curious now starting to finally be on the other side of being able to get back out into the world what do you feel like that long isolation period taught you? It taught me a lot. I think that was my time because I had not slowed down in so long. It forced me to stop and it forced me to really dig deep because there were all these outer things that I identified with. Right. So I didn't have my job or I had my job. I was on, I was on FMLA, but I couldn't work. And I had identified so much with work that as a person. Um, and then the other thing was working out. Like I considered myself an athlete too. I couldn't work out. I was so tired and my bones ached, um, from the treatment and I just couldn't go to the gym. I was immunocompromised. And then the last thing was also just like my appearance. I used to have like really long blonde hair. That was my favorite thing about me. I lost it all. I lost everything personality wise, like my job, my hobby and appearance wise. So when I, once I realized I lost all that, yes, it was temporary. I realized I didn't have anything to fall back on. And that's where it really came into, okay, like I wasn't balanced. You know, I, I had to heal myself internally. And that was really my time to slow down and think about what really matters to me. And when I come out of the other side of this, what do I want life to look like? Um, and so I got onto Pinterest and I started looking up ideas for vision boards. I had heard about vision boards and manifesting. And so here, here it is again, the spirituality coming into this. And I said, I wanna be a different person because if this is gonna be my second chance at life, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna waste it. Um, and so I had put things in there of like, you know, travel. I love to travel. I've been in isolation for two years. <laughs> I wanna see the world. Um, I had put, you know, what kind of job I wanted, what kind of impact I wanted to have. Um, the future I had thought for myself and my husband, James, I put all this into a board and sure enough, like here we are, I have the house that I want. I bought myself a new car after chemo. We've gone just this year alone. We've gone to Seattle, Colorado, Kentucky, Paris, <laughs> like trying to plan more stuff for next year. Like all that, that I had manifested during isolation is coming to reality slowly, but surely. Wow. Wow. And it's, I love that you even specifically said manifestation, because I was going to say the way that you were describing that sort of like rewriting process of what you wanted your life to look like. I was going to say, it sounds like manifestation. So I love that you found that right at that moment. And the way that you describe kind of the old layers of who you always thought you were stripping down and you coming to this place where you actually got to really find yourself again, you know, and, and it's not that those old versions of you weren't you, they were, and they were beautiful and they were whole and perfect for you in that moment. And it sounds like the universe knew that you just needed, like, it's, I, at least I know in my experience, what it's been is almost like in those times when I knew I wasn't going to be able to let the thing go, the universe took it from me, you know, like I look back at my relationship that ended in 2019. I had known for about six months, if not longer, that it probably wasn't going to last, but I don't know that I ever would have been the one to 
walk away from it if he hadn't said something first, you know? And so it's kind of like sometimes the universe gives us exactly what we need, even though it is the complete opposite of what we would think we would want, right? Especially for you. It's like you were hit with all of these things back to back to back. And just like, I think just looking at this, right, is that it could have been a moment where you went into victim mode and you felt like the world was against you and the deck was deck was stacked against you. And this isn't, you know, this isn't fair and why me? And instead it sounds like you really took the time to go inward and to look at what, what was coming up for you and who you wanted to be through this. Yeah, definitely. And it took a long time and it's not to say I didn't go through all those phases of grief because there was a lot of grief of the person that I used to be. And I was angry for a really long time. I was like, you know what? I, I ate pretty well. I worked out five to six times a week and I did this and that, but I, I didn't have that balance. I didn't, I didn't meditate. I didn't take time to be still, you know, I didn't have that inner work to fall on. Um, and so I was like, not gonna lie. I was angry for a really long time at the beginning of it. Um, but then over time, as I went through different treatment sessions, I was like, okay, I can continue to be angry and bitter about all of this, or I can just start planning and like turn my entire life around and come out the other side a brand new person. Not that the old parts of me, like I still work out, you've seen my stuff, but they're, they're still there, but I feel like there's so much more balance now in my life, especially internally and the things that I prioritize. And that that's one thing I'm very thankful for now. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, you bring up a really good point. And again, it goes back to we're human. Humans get angry. Humans get bitter. Humans go through all of these different stages of grief. And I don't think they're linear or this one perfect process, right? We we're angry one day and then we think we're okay with something. And then all of a sudden it comes back up and gets reactivated. And so I think that it's important that you bring it up that, right. That it's like, I needed to go through those, those stages. I needed to let myself feel what I felt to be able to get to this place where I don't even think, you know, how you said, like, you know, I still work out. It's it's not even that the actions of maybe working out itself was what was causing you to be, you know, moving in such a fast paced lifestyle. I think before it's more like the energy behind the motivation. And it sounds like the energy that you now bring to working out, to eating, to just everything, to your whole life has shifted. And that's, you know, again, it's all about energy, right? So that's really what makes the difference. If you're consciously showing up as opposed to just kind of like on autopilot, I need to go to the gym because it's this time. And that's what I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I see what you mean. Like the intention behind it. Like I'm doing this to feel good, not to look a certain way. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like, I know I, again, because I followed you, I've known a little bit of your story, but every time I hear you speak about it in any capacity, I'm always blown away. And to have gone through all of this at such a young age and again, to have developed such a perspective on it, I think is incredible. And I think it's so special that you are willing to tell your story the way that you do and just to be so vulnerable and open and authentic about it. Thank you. It means so much to me. <laughs> yeah. And I know, I know that people that are going to hear this are going to connect with it again, whether they have personally been affected by cancer or if it's something else, because I think so much of this transcends just speaking about physical illness. You know, again, I think that a lot of the lessons that you've learned through this just are so applicable in so many different ways. Yeah, thank you. I hope the other thing that people get out of this, because I had to advocate for myself for further testing because I was 29 and I had no family history. Um, This diagnosis was put off for about three months before it actually was official and I had to see about three different doctors before I got it. So the other takeaway is to advocate for yourself and speak up. I know it's something that's so hard to do. And we look at these doctors and we hang on their every word because they're the professional, right? We have to trust them, but also trust yourself. Like if something is a little bit different and your body feels some type of way, Um, and you notice a change or something feels off, like it's communicating with you and definitely get it checked out and ask for a second opinion. There's no harm in that. Oh, I love that you brought that up. It's something that I don't think I've spoken about yet on the podcast, but I know we've spoken about this. So I have a few different chronic conditions and have experienced a lot of what you're describing where 
doctors don't take it seriously. For me, a lot of times doctors will say, you know, oh, it's because you're overweight. You just need to lose weight or you just need to exercise more. You just need to change your diet. And it can be so frustrating and so challenging and just like disheartening. Right. And it, and I think for a lot of people in general, but especially women, we struggle with that connection with our body to begin with. And so like you're describing, if you're noticing and you're feeling things in your body and then you're going to a doctor and they're not taking it seriously, it's hard to kind of maintain that. So I think it's so important that we share our stories about that. And you know, that I know for me, definitely I had to go over and over and over again back to my doctor and say, but this is still happening and I'm still experiencing this. And I really think it's endometriosis and I'm pretty sure it's endometriosis. And you know what I mean? It took years and years. And so I love that you bring that up, that just to continue to advocate, is there anything specific that you can say in what you've learned in how to advocate for yourself in the medical field? Uh, I found that doing a little bit of your own research because if you if you go to your appointment a little bit prepared of hey this is already what I think it is these are my feelings my symptoms match up it kind of puts like the cards on their table to be like oh you know maybe they are right and maybe I should look into this because you already kind of have that research there in front of you it, it I don't know it just gives the doctors like a little bit more sense of urgency to work on it and it's harder for them to to ignore once you already come with that information um, at least in my experience, but even so, like, I would also say if allowed, bring someone with you to your appointment, because when it, it, it's such a hard thing to speak up for yourself, or at least it was for me, that sometimes you're not listening to the whole conversation because you're just like desperate to hear the final diagnosis. And so there might be things that you might miss, or maybe questions you haven't thought of yourself that the person that you bring with you can kind of champion for you a little bit and just be your support buddy <laughs> and, and just kind of hold your hand through it. I think that support is needed sometimes too. I think that is such great advice and something that I wish I had had because so your first piece of advice of doing your research ahead of time, I think is super helpful. Obviously keeping in mind that it can be a rabbit hole, right? And all of a sudden we can think that we have 10 different conditions that we don't have. So keeping in mind that it is unlikely for you to have, you know, a, a many of these, you know, really rare conditions. And yet it does happen, especially look, we look in your case. Right. Um, but I know that for me a few years ago, one of kind of my worst experiences with doctors was that I did exactly what you're describing. I went in, I had my whole list of, these are all the symptoms that I have. These are the current diagnoses that I have. And I was alone in the appointment and the doctor for some reason did not seem to like that I had done my own research and probably thought that I was one of those hypochondriacs and, and just responded in a really negative way to me. And I just completely shut down. And then the doctor actually looked at me and said, are you going to cry <laughs> like that? And I thought it was, it just like, I was like, no, but of course, yes, I'm absolutely going to cry because I'm crying all the time anyway. And if I had had someone with me, I just know that it would have gone differently. Even if that doctor didn't take it seriously, even if that, it doesn't sound like that was the right doctor for me in general, but to have had, if I had had someone in the room, I think it would have been a totally different experience because I think to some extent, like you were saying earlier, right? I think we think that doctors know, not that we think doctors know everything. And yet that's what society wants us to believe is kind of like, well, they're the professional, they know more than us. And so there is that power dynamic when you're in the room with a doctor. And if you're alone, especially if you have a trauma history, maybe around people convincing you that your reality is not reality. If you're in a room with a doctor and they're telling you, no, that doesn't make any sense. You're only 29. Why would you have breast cancer? It's it's easy to then turn around and say, all right, well, I must be, you know, I must be feeling things. I must be making things up in my body. Yeah, definitely. I'm so sorry that happened to you. I feel like it's just, it's so crazy because unfortunately I've talked to a lot of other people who have had similar experience. Like it, that's not even like the only time that I've had a negative experience with doctors and my my hope and what I'm seeing a lot of more recently is it feels like not just that the kind of like energy healing and spiritual principles are making their way more into other fields, although I think that they are. It's more just like I think we've seen this shift through the pandemic of people 
realizing that we all need to slow down and that people are kind of their own authority in their own life and that they do know maybe more than again, the doctor is the expert in what they know. They know the medical field. They know what they've gone to school for. We are always the expert of our own lives. That is something that I always advocate for, whether you see yourself as a healer or not. Even when we go to a healer, all they're doing is really holding space for us to kind of allow our body to return back to our natural state of ease and healing. And we're just meant to live that way. So I think we're seeing that a lot more kind of making its way into the mainstream and that a lot more doctors are kind of practicing from that place of, I know what I know and the patient knows what they know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how you said that coming out of COVID, you know, people, it, it does feel like there are people who have, um, they know what they want more out of life and just like what people want has shifted. And so I love to see that. I, I know I have some friends, I was just talking about this with her the other day of what she wants out of life and how she's really had time to slow down and she's not going to settle. And so like, I love that for her. I'm like, yes, (laughs) definitely like go out there and get what you want. And you can, you have the power to change your life. And I think once you realize that, like that's when everything just gets into motion. Yes. Well, and I love how you bring that up because it's again, bringing me back to the way that you had described yourself as just sort of like curious about Mm -hmm. a lot of this and I think there are a lot of people that are in that same boat right now because people are starting to talk about manifestation and Reiki and all of these different things, human design and astrology. And I think there are a lot of people kind of not ready to dive fully in, but it's like they are are curious about it. And so I love being able to have conversations like this, especially when we feel comfortable just kind of like, let's just be real. Let's just talk about it. Let's talk about our own experiences because it invites people in when they realize that it, it doesn't have to be this like high in the sky thing that only a few people can do. And, and we have to learn from those people. And to me, I think so much of my spiritual journey has been an unlearning. It's been realizing that I've already known everything I needed to know from the beginning and that all of these courses and programs and mentors that I've worked with have just been bringing me back to myself and just holding that space for me to come back to myself. It's not like there was really much to learn. It's really more to unlearn what society has told me I'm supposed to be focused on. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. And I hope I can dig into that more in 2023. Like that's definitely one of my goals of just to keep digging in deeper and deeper. And so I just actually got a book on Reiki from Barnes and Noble a couple of weeks ago. So it's on my reading list and yeah, I'm just looking forward to the new year. Tell me about your experience with Reiki. I know you said you've been getting Reiki healings from your friend Norma, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me what has what, just describe your experience with Reiki because to me Reiki is so different for every single person and I think in the spirit of what we just said of how it can be helpful to talk about our experiences I would love to hear a little bit of yours and I'll share a little bit of mine. Yeah, I was definitely skeptical at first. Um I was having a really hard time. I think I had had a reaction to chemo treatment. Um and I got hospitalized twice <laughs> during my whole journey. And I was so terrified, like I was going to quit. I was like, I'm just going to quit chemo. Maybe six-ish rounds was enough to keep it. I was like halfway. Um, And I was like, maybe that was enough to keep it away. And everyone was like, don't quit, don't quit. But it's so hard for people to tell you not to quit when they're not the ones going through it, you know? And one of my friends from high school, we're, we're friends on Instagram and she was like, Hey, I, you know, I'm so sorry. You're going through a hard time. Cause I had ranted about it on Instagram about how I wanted to give up. And she said, you should really see my friend Norma. Like she's worked wonders for me. Um, and you should see her. I think that would really help you. And I was really skeptical. And of course I did my research. I'm like, no way am I going to feel anything? And how's this going to get me like motivate me to get back in that chemo chair next week? Um, and so she had an appointment and I got to know her a little bit in our session and turns out, you know, she's a breast cancer survivor too. And that's what's led her to her path of healing others, you know, amongst other things, but definitely like for breast cancer survivors, you know, that's a, a big focus that she has. And so in our first session, and mind you, she never met me before. 
And so the thing, some of the things she knew about me or the way that she knew how to talk to me really threw me off where I was like, whoa, this is legit. <laughs> like was, something's really happening here. Um, but yeah, you know, she, we started off with the session and it was about 45 minutes long. And then she saved some time at the end for messages that she had for me and to just kind of see how I felt. Um, and at the time I was not sleeping well at all. So if you have not gone through chemo treatment, it's so much chemicals in your body mixed with Benadryl. So you have these pre-meds before you start your, your session and they give you Benadryl to reduce your chance of having a reaction. And they also give you steroids. So your body's just up and down and up and down for like the next two days after every chemo session I had, I, I was so out of sync. I had insomnia because I was up from the steroids and then the Benadryl kept me down also. And so I just was not sleeping well at the time. Well, 10 minutes into the session, I just go into this deep sleep. Like it was the best sleep I've had in my life. I'll say getting any sort of energy healing when you fall asleep is almost always my favorite experience. It's funny because so many people resist it. I know even just with meditation, people are like, I don't want to fall asleep. If you fall asleep during something, that is what is meant to happen. Let it happen. Like you are still receiving what you need to receive. Let it happen. <laughs> For sure. And I was like, I, I don't even remember. And it feels like it was a blink really. It, it felt like a long time in it, in that sleep. But then when I woke up, it felt like a blink. And so I sat up and I just felt refreshed and calm. And there was a sense of peace all of a sudden that <laughs> things were going to be okay. I felt lighter. Um, and I sat up, up on the table and uh, she was like, I don't know why, but when I pictured you, you were, you were like squatting with like a, a barbell on your back, but you didn't have good form. <laughs> and so she was talking to me like a coach, which like with my athletic background, I was like, okay, like that's, yeah, that's how I would receive feedback, right? <laughs> At the time. And she said, and this will always stick with me. She said, you know, better than anyone, if you're going to lift something heavy, you have to stand up and you have to have good form. Wow. get your ish together and you got this like pick yourself up right telling me in the most like spiritually nice way of like and in such a way that like you said that was so catered to you your energy who you were at the time right like you're saying this was the time when so much of who you were was connected to bodybuilding to working out to taking care of your body in that way and so for her to reach you with that message, that's amazing. Yeah. And I was just like, so taken aback. And I was like, okay, because I wanted to see what else she would say. And then um, she's like, there's a name that's coming to me also. So she said, is there a Robert in your family? I said, there's two. My dad's name is Robert. My brother's name is Robert Jr. And so she's like, okay, well, Robert's like really worried for you. Like he doesn't want you to give up. He can see like you're struggling with this and was just saying all these things that, you know, it was with our first time meeting. Prior to that, I had just texted her. She didn't even have my social media at the time. Um, so that was just like, it just really stuck with me. And I drove home that day afterwards and I was like, yeah, you know, like, she's right. You got this. Like you've done hard things before. Like you've stood up on a stage in front of hundreds of strangers in a bikini, <laughs> you know, competing. Like you, you got this, you know, and like, you can be strong and brave and you just need to pick yourself up. It's just another bad set. It's just a bad workout. And so I just had to like really dig deep. Um, and after that, I kept seeing her every few weeks throughout the rest of my treatment. I got hospitalized one more time. <laughs> on New Year's Eve. So I ended the year and started the year of uh, 2021 in the hospital, um, but or 2020. But um, it definitely gave me an added layer of strength and some faith and hope of, yeah, I, I got this. And even I just felt healed in between too, like with all the damage the chemo had done to me, um, it helped me like build myself back up and we're still great friends to this day her and I um last December we went to Sedona which again is very full of energy healing and those vortices and you know, we we went and we stayed two days up there and we meditated in the beautiful red rocks you know and 
and it all just came together and it was just an amazing experience that I had with her last oh, year. Yeah. I've heard such good things about Sedona and to be able to be there with right. Your Reiki healer, the person who really bought you. That's just amazing. And it's really like full circle thing, but like, if you're, if, yeah, come out to Arizona, I'll take you. <laughs> I'll yes. You. Oh my goodness. No, I, I definitely plan to get out there at some point soon. So, and I know we had wanted to do this in person anyway, so we'll have to get together and maybe we'll get to record a part two, in another episode together in person. <laughs> yeah, I can see if she can comes out. She's still in California. That's um, but yeah, that was my first experience with Reiki. I love too, that you bring up that she, all she knew was your phone number and that she didn't have your social media. And how could she know this stuff? Because it's so funny to me how I think all of us do this when we're getting ready to work with someone. For me, it was like, anytime I've worked with a medium, anyone that we're sort of like unsure if we really totally buy into what it is that they're saying they're able to do with their connection. It's so funny to me because once you're on the other side and once you consider yourself a healer, you'll realize, right. Who has the time or the energy to go and be like stalking these people to try to figure out things as opposed to just being really connected and, and trusting what's coming through? You know, I think that I'm sure there are people who use this to exploit others who can't, who aren't necessarily tapped in. But I really believe that we all have these abilities, whether it's through energy healing, through mediumship, through dance through movement of some other sort, whatever it is, we all have our own ways that we can kind of channel divine because we're all connected. And it's so funny to me how we all do that, right? We all sort of like question if this psychic knows what they're talking about or if they're, they stalked us beforehand. It's like, why would they have the time and energy to go and stalk us before? You know what I mean? It's so funny to me, but I think so many people do that. And I think a lot of people, like you described, thinking about Reiki. I know definitely the first time I learned about Reiki, I did not believe that it was a real thing. I was in DC for a conference when I was in grad school with a friend. This was 2017. And there was people doing like hands-on massage and there were people doing Reiki. And my friend went to go get Reiki. And I was like, oh, what's that? And she was explaining it to me. I don't think she knew that much about it, but she was sort of curious and was like, oh, well, it's this energy healing. It's a, it's a massage, but they don't touch you. I was like, that's nothing. That's not real. I'm going to go get a real massage. And then here I am, right? It was only, I think, three years after that, that I found myself getting, um, you know, Reiki attuned for levels one and two. So it's just so funny how, like we had said earlier, right? It's like, we find the things that we need when we need them. And then they kind of shift over time into a different form of, of how we really need it in this next level. Definitely. And I like how you explained it or how your friend described it. It's, it's a massage, but they don't touch you. That was the one thing, like, I just got a flashback to that first session I had. It was really weird because I knew her presence around me based on energy because I knew where she was standing because warmth was coming from that area. So she had a table and so I laid on my back with the pillow um, and I would know, I was like, okay, now she's like working on my head because the top of my forehead was warm. And I knew she was on my right side because the right side of my body, like my right palm would be warm. And, but yet I was like in this trance sleep, but then also kind of aware of the outside world, just energy wise and by heat. And it was just amazing. Best nap. It definitely sounds like you have a very strong bodily awareness and we're going to need to do some Reiki together because I'm just like, I'm blown <laughs> away. I, so I, I know I've shared this a little bit on the podcast. I can't remember if we've talked about this, but I have a fantasia. So that means I can't create images in my mind. And so I think because of that, I, I have like a disconnect and I don't often get, like, I don't get clairvoyance. I don't get messages through visions. Like even my own bodily awareness, I feel like I've had to really do a lot of work to build up that connection. So anytime I hear someone who either sees colors or gets visuals or has that connection that it sounds like you just innately have, I'm like, oh, I need to, I need to lean into this a little bit. We need to do some work together. <laughs> yeah. And then definitely. And, and what she also said, what we had gone to Sedona talking about like more people just being put on your path. Right. So we go and we went to my favorite um, like gem place, um, which is called like Sedona Vortex. And it's in the uptown part of Sedona, the older like historic part. 
and I took her there. I had gone a few times, but I was like, I really want to show you this really cool stone place and we're going to go crazy. Um, and we met another woman there who was very much into Reiki and energy healing. And she suggested to us a certain stone. I can't remember what it is right now, but she said, meditate with it and bury it into the rock. That way, when you go home and meditate, you connect back to that energy vortex. And so Norma had done it because I was like, I don't feel advanced enough. So I'm going to let you do your thing. Um, but she had done it. And I feel like ever since then, she's just like elevated even more um, with that stuff and just being even more so connected. And she does the distance Reiki as well, which I've had her do a couple of times now that I'm in Arizona. Um, but I just thought that was super interesting. So like if you and I go, we, we should do that <laughs> as well. Yes, definitely. And oh, there's so much in what you just said that I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm just so excited about it. And I love that you bring up that you can, again, it's all about that intention of your energy. And so you can infuse crystals. You can infuse really anything with your intention and that you can, I love the idea of leaving something somewhere and having it still be a connection. Or if you take something from somewhere and you've set that intention while you were there, it kind of brings that frequency back home to you. So I love that. I'm actually looking, I always, anytime I'm pretty much anytime I'm doing anything, I bring crystals, but especially when I'm recording anything like this, I always just intuitively see what I'm led to. And so I'm looking at the crystals that I have for today. I'll show you them on, on the screen. So you can see they're very pretty. And I'm just thinking like, Ooh, that they're getting all of the, um, you know, this, the goodness of our talk today are just kind of getting infused into these crystals. So that's beautiful. And yeah, I just am excited for all of the people who also feel spiritually curious, who are going to listen to this and just be excited. And I know I, I'm again, for listeners who are listening to this, if you are spiritually curious and you are looking for kind of like, okay, what do I do next? Shoot me a message. <laughs> I would love to kind of help you depending on where you are, kind of point you in the right direction of fun places to explore. I think, especially in the beginning, the best thing you can do is just explore what excites you, like what lights you up. And, and that's kind of a perfect segue to bring us back to Disney. So we can talk about Disneyland Paris, because even for me, I think Disney has been a source of being able to reconnect in that spiritual way and in, in like the depth of being able to get into those, you know, these kind of conversations. Cause that's, that's the whole point of this podcast, right. Is to be able to like, find that depth. I find that depth. I feel like in everything. <laughs> so for me, Disney feels almost spiritual. And I'm curious if your experience being able to go to Disneyland Paris, if it had some of that, or just in general, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it had magic because it's Disney, but if you could speak to kind of like the magic of that trip and, and the connection. Yeah. I think Disneyland Paris and then just Paris as a whole was like the ultimate manifestation of what I had manifested three years ago, because we've essentially waited three years to take this trip. Um, and so it was a really long time coming, but I just remember walking in through the main street and seeing their castle, which their castle is epic because they've added a lot more of greenery and a hillside. So there's, there's trees and greenery. I'm obsessed with that castle. Just obviously I haven't seen it in person, but just in pictures and just the whole, I've watched a lot of documentaries about kind of the making of Disneyland Paris in general and the way that they really took into account French culture and how it's very, very different from American culture. <laughs> and so just everything about that castle, I'm just, I'm dying to go. It just looks beautiful. And it just has such a different, it has like an elevated feel to it, to me. It is, yeah, it is by far probably my favorite castle right now. But I just remember walking up Main Street and you see it, right? Like in the, the dead center at the very end. I was like, oh my gosh, this is everything we've, we've worked for. And it we're finally here and it felt so surreal. But like you said, like the design and the detail they put into it was just phenomenal. And underneath the castle, they have the dragon. Um, so you can go underneath and there's the dragon sleeping there. And occasionally it pokes its head out and all this uh, fog comes out because it looks like dragon's breath. It's so there's cool ornament store or at least I don't know if this was just for the holidays but there was an ornament store underneath but then you can actually go to the top of the castle and then even within it inside um there were these 
like plaster trees and lights that were all twinkly. And so when you go up inside, it's the story of Sleeping Beauty, but it's all told through stained glass and tapestry. And it's so colorful to see the light come in, the artwork is beautiful, the detail, like just the threading of the tapestry and the color of the stained glass and the design was just chef's kiss. Like, <laughs> And again, just being, you know, if, if you're a Walt Disney World or a Disneyland person, it is rare to be, I mean, unless you're going Walt Disney World to Cinderella's royal table or something you're not in that castle let alone to be able to just walk up to the top go underneath be able to I just love how it's so interactive and again speaking to the depth right it gives you so much more of that and I haven't even been there so I can only imagine just the way you're describing it sounds incredible yeah I miss it now (laughs) we'll have to go back we'll have to go back (laughs) like a retreat there one day (laughs) seriously oh my goodness I would love that so much yeah speaking of the French culture too so there's no churros there's crepes though crepe carts that you can get with Nutella and so they fold it up into this you know nifty little triangle for you and so you can walk around with it um so that was really fun and that sounds amazing it's so funny I I studied abroad in Ireland and Mm -hmm one of our favorite places to eat was a crepe place. It was like a French crepe place. And it's so funny because I remember my family was always kind of like, oh, you know, what are you eating over there? And I'm like, French crepes. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> but I think it's just, I, I don't know. There's something really fun about crepes that especially how you can do sweet or savory. So I feel like it kind of like hits both and, and it's a crowd pleaser. I love, I love a good crepe. Yeah, it's so simple, but it's so good. It's so good. So we definitely ourselves with Nutella crepes that day. Oh, that sounds amazing. What other, was there any other like really good foods that you had while you were over there? Um, so we ate at a restaurant outside the park. I mean, it was still Disney, but I think it was called Newport Bay Club. Um, so it was very, you know, ship nautical theme, seafood and steak. And that was really good. I had a steak medallion with potatoes and mushrooms. Um, James had a seafood what was it? It was like the seven seas seafood pasta platters. So it had like clams and shrimp and everything else, scallops within it. Um, and it was just like phenomenal. And yeah, then, that sounds like such a celebratory dinner. I love that for you. And then we, we, we had to get dessert. So we got a, it was a chocolate lava cake, but they called it a fondant. Um, so I had the chocolate in the middle and then with a passion fruit mousse, which I'm normally not a fan of passion fruit, but it was so light and delicate that it complemented the dark chocolate really well. And so I really loved that. I mean, the French know how to do desserts. I know. (laughs) How it's like, how can you not? That's yeah. I, I, that's definitely France is definitely on my list, primarily just for the food. Like I might need to go see the Eiffel Tower and I obviously need to go to Disneyland Paris and I just need to eat everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's okay. Cause you're going to walk five, six mm-hmm. miles anyway. So yeah, we ate tons of pasta, tons of bread. I probably had either a croissant or like a chocolate bread every day but it was just phenomenal. As you should, as you should. Tell me about the attractions in Disneyland Paris. Was there anything, wait, did you go on Space Mountain? No, we did okay. not. Because I, I know I've heard that their Space Mountain is a very different, um, mm-hmm. like the, why can I not think of the word for what I'm saying? Like the idea behind it of like how, why you're supposed to be being launched into space is, do you know this? Did you? It's something that. with like, you get like shot out of a cannon and it's, it's from some classic French story that I guess everyone in France knows this. And so again, because French culture is very different from American culture, they needed, they needed to design it in a way that the French people would think it would make sense. Apparently the French people would have totally not bought into our version of Space Mountain, which is just you're launched and you go into space. So it's something with like, you're being shot out of a cannon and that's why you're up in space. Oh, interesting. No, we missed that one. So I, I struggle a lot with motion sickness. Mm-hmm. So occasionally if I have dramamine on me, I'll just take it and deal with it. And I think I just didn't have it on me that day. So that was one that we bypassed. Um, but I am a huge fan of Haunted Mansion. Oh, Yes. Over there, it's called um, Phantom Manor, 
and very, very different from California and Disney World because I've been to both, but it's Western theme. Oh, so odd and cool at the same time because I was like, okay, I thought it would be like French theme, like more maybe a castle or a French countryside, like this abandoned manor in the countryside. Um, but no, it's Western with saloons and like ghosts playing cards. And it is really oh, There was like a dog skeleton on the side that kind of like jumps out on you. Wow. And I was like, okay, but I guess that makes sense because a lot of Americans are coming here, right? So they have like that Western feel to it. So that was a little unexpected. Um, but I still really liked it. So they still have the same entrance too, where you go in and the walls stretch and everything, um, slightly different paintings and it's half French, half English. So the speaker will say the line in French and then followed immediately by the English line. So that was really interesting to me. That's really cool. Do you speak any French? I can order food and ask. Okay. That's what really matters. (laughs) That's what really matters. (laughs) So I was able to get my own. I knew how to get, like, I knew my numbers one through 10 for the Uber when you give them the passcode. So I was able to say like where we were going and my pass, my four digit passcode to the Uber order some food and then like ask where the restrooms are. And that's the extent I'm still practicing though, (laughs) because my husband is a huge, like, um, F1 fan. So he wants to go to 24 hours of Le Mans in a couple of years. Um, he's aiming for 2025. So I'm still practicing my French. So hopefully I can be fluent in the next couple of years. That's awesome. Well, we can practice together. I took French for like eight years or something ridiculous and I totally should be fluent and I am totally not. I, and it's funny, it's been one of those things that I, over the last few years have picked up Duolingo, learned a little bit again, fallen off, learned a little bit, whatever. But when we were in Walt Disney World in October, we went to um, Chefs de France for dinner and the waiter asked, does anyone speak French? And of course, you know, I had had a few drinks. I was feeling good. I'm like, Ooh, I think I do actually. And was like, do I want to do this? And I was like, I'm going to commit. I'm going to do it. I ordered my meal in French. I was very proud of myself, (laughs) but that's again, the extent of my French at this point is mostly ordering food, the basics, you know, where's the bathroom, please. And thank you all of that. But maybe we commit to it together. French it's funny because in some ways it's it's one of the more simple languages because it's one of the romance languages and it's so similar to other ones but then there's something about it that's challenging or maybe I'm just not great at learning languages but there's something about it that's very challenging to me (laughs) I'll have to find you because I started on Duolingo too and that's still kind of what I'm going through so all right good we can inspire each other (laughs) because if I have an accountability buddy I think I might do it whereas if I'm doing it myself yeah probably not gonna happen someone's gonna know (laughs) How would they know? <laughs> Seriously, so funny. Wait, how were like the par- did you go to did you watch any of the parades? Did you do any of the shows? One parade, again, just filled with characters, and the weather was really good. So they had it was a great time of year. We went uh last week of October. Um, so there was a lot of characters more out and about, even the ones like that have to wear the suits. Um, so they were able to be out a little bit longer, but that was really good. The shops, I felt like there was a little more shopping to do. Not surprised, not at all surprised. Um, the other thing that I really like too is once you get past Main Street, and this is where I found my first crepe cart, um, is cocoa themed. So there's a whole area dedicated to cocoa, which I thought was really cool. And I love cocoa up there all year round or if it was just because it was fall and mm-hmm. um, but they had you know the the orange flowers everywhere and the skeletons and a lot of day of the dead stuff and I just thought that was really cool that for them to incorporate that into it I love, um, love cocoa um, the other thing that surprised me was Indiana Jones is not you riding in a jeep it's a roller coaster over there so my, again, motion sickness, my husband went on the roller coaster. So he did the single rider. Cause he's like, I can't pass that up. Um, but that was the only one where I think he was like, yeah, there was no Indiana. It was just all outdoors. So you miss that experience of like, you're on an adventure with Indiana Jones and there was no giant, you know, ball coming towards you. It was just a simple roller coaster. Um, the other thing I really loved, if you're a fan of Alice in Wonderland, they have a maze there. That's so cool. 
is so cool. And, and, and like at certain parts, you find different characters as you go throughout the maze and there's so many routes you can take. And so you'll find the Cheshire Cat and the Caterpillar. Um, so I thought that was really cool and interactive. Um, tons of popcorn. We had the popcorn over there. Even that I feel like was better. I don't know, maybe it's the butter. <laughs> but that was really good too. Um, but there was a lot of different foods, like even in Coco, like that was all Mexican food themed. And then um, next to Alice in Wonderland, they had like a fish and chips place. And so it was very different throughout. And then they had your classic rides as well, still Peter Pan. Um, I didn't see a lot of similar or like differences in comparison to California. They had your Snow White, but that is in French. Um, they have your uh, Pinocchio again, with that one's in French. Um, but I think it it's was interesting that some of the rides are just in French and don't have English. Yeah, even the title on the front. I, I remember the Snow White one because I was like, oh, set. I know that means seven. So <laughs> Snow White <laughs> and the Seven Dwarves. And so that one I remember, um, even the title outside was in French. But yeah, it was really fun. That's really cool. I feel like we needed one more day. We only had one day there because we had a bunch of other stuff planned, like the Louvre and the catacombs and everything. Um, but I really wish we would have had a second day to just kind of slow down and really enjoy and more like sit and people watch kind of thing. Yeah. How how big is the park? Is it like comparable? Um, I think it's comparable maybe to... Disneyland, I don't know. I'm not sure of the square footage. Mm -hmm. Did it it feel big? I feel like it's so interesting how Disney does such a good job of tricking us, right? That like to me, even when you're in Magic Kingdom, it doesn't feel as massively large than Disneyland. And then when you actually look, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm curious, did it feel bigger? Did it all feel kind of similar? I feel like I don't know. There were some points where it felt smaller and then other points where it felt bigger. And then there were times where I was like, man, they really utilized the space very well. Mm-hmm. Had room to put the hills behind the castle and these trees. And then the other interesting thing too was at Pirates of the Caribbean, outside of it, there's like an island. It's Skull Rock. Wow. So they have a giant Skull Rock with a waterfall coming out of the eyes and like a half shipwreck. And then there's like a tiny baby little beach area where you can kind of walk on and then get some closer pictures to Skull, Skull Rock. So there was a lot more like interactive stuff and more use of the space. Mm-hmm. Like in Disney Paris. Um, I, I know, again, in one of those documentaries that I had watched about it, that they again said that for French people, like it's very important that the design is not, it's not just like a functional design to get people in and out, to get them, you know, to spend more money, <laughs> if we're being honest, which is a lot of, <laughs> right. That's what a lot, of, especially Walt Disney world, like my home parks. Um, but that really with Disneyland Paris, they knew they had to really make it very aesthetically pleasing and to really, to not just do that, to check the boxes, but to actually really invest in the design aspects of it. Yeah, for sure. And pirates, that was the other one we did. Um, I felt like that version was a little bit longer and the drops are different. So it's a complete, I thought I knew when the drops were coming. I did not. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That It's so funny. We always say in, in my family that it's almost like, I wish I could reset my memory to a time when I hadn't experienced something so that I can re-experience it. And it feels like that's what you got to be able to do on Pirates. It's like, yeah. you, you were on the same ride, but it was totally different. It was totally different. Like there was no you know, you normally enter in, it's dark, and that's the first drop. The, the two drops were kind of like in the middle, <laughs> so it completely caught me off guard, and there were some things that were in a different order, and that one just felt a lot more bigger. There were a lot more scenes that we just kind of floated through, which was oh, really awesome. It's it a great ride, so. That's awesome. Oh, so I guess, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to make this too long, but what would you say was your number one favorite thing about Disneyland Paris? the castle it is just so beautiful and interactive and stunning and just the amount of detail and work and the amount of things you can do to just spend your time at the castle they have the dragon underneath the gift shop you can go all the way up to the top and then you can read the whole story of sleeping beauty like it's just stunning that was my favorite part I love it. Well, I definitely need to definitely need to go and see that castle in person very, very soon because I'm very jealous. (laughs) And yeah, 
Yeah, this has just been so nice to be able to chat with you about all of this, <laughs> about all the things. It's funny. I know when we were saying kind of like, what do we even want to talk about? It was just kind of everything. We were like, well, healing, because that's kind of like our lives and wellness, because that's our lives, but Disney, Disney wellness and <laughs> <laughs> yes, Disney wellness and comfort. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, thank you so, so much for being on. I really have just had so much fun catching up with you and I am really excited for my listeners to be able to hear this. And my hope is that they again are kind of inspired by this space of spiritual curiosity. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I had an amazing time and it's so good to talk to you, like not just through text, you know, on Instagram. To actually talk. <laughs> Yes. Well, so if people want to find you on Instagram, where can they find you? Uh, So you can find me at shellbell underscore strong. Awesome. Awesome. And again, you can find me at spiritually underscore ever after. If you have questions, if you want to connect with us about this episode, feel free to shoot me a message. Again, I'd love to point you in the direction of some fun spiritual things to explore if you are also spiritually curious. But otherwise, we will talk to you on the next episode. Thank you for being here and listening. If you loved it, leave a review and or share and tag me. I would love to connect with you. I'm spiritually underscore ever after on Instagram and spiritually ever after on TikTok. See you real soon.